This is Matt Neely, and you're listening to the Titans Film Room Podcast. Welcome into the Film Room Podcast. This is Titans Film Radio. We are coming to you with a double episode here. This is part one. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Graver. My other host, James Esparza, is here with me as always. And on this episode, we will discuss the Titans win over the Colts, key players and key plays that stood out to us, and takeaways from this game. And then we will discuss our awards, using that as a launching point into many discussions about um, fumbling problems, Derrick Henry, and the special teams play. And then on part two, we're going to talk about Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, and who is providing more value to the offense right now, as well as a discussion about Ryan Tannehill's contract incentives which ones he's hit and which ones he has yet to hit and might or might not. And then we're going to discuss the AFC South playoff scenarios, what the Titans need to do to end up in the postseason. So check out part two after you finish part one, and we're going to start part one right now. I believe they have the hottest running back in the game. And if you think, oh, Derrick Henry's playing well, I'm not sure you understand exactly how dominating this is going. Whenever they feed him, it feels like he goes for 700 yards every time he's the feature guy. But listen, they control both sides of the line of scrimmage. That's just about everything. And they can run the ball with Derrick Henry. These things, as kind of cliche as they are, do matter come January. Tannehill also throwing the ball a lot better than I remembered him doing under Adam Gase's leadership. I've been one as a darn starter, man. This team is just going yeah, to another level, man. But they still, if they could sweep Houston and beat the Raiders, they might win that division. In a team that can run, in a team that can stop the run, also has good special teams. Brett Kern, one of the most underrated punters of all time. It looks like they finally have a team that is really going to be something special going forward in a potential playoff game. Not everyone's talking about them, but you should. They're really fun to watch. Watch the Titans. Watch the Titans? What? People are talking about the Titans? This is crazy. James, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, man. I'm doing real good. Oh, yeah? That game got you feeling good? Oh, uh, got me feeling good, man. I got a britches report. Oh, another britches report. Hit me. They're off. They're off again. The britches got- are off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to get the ones with the, the snaps on the side. just so I can The tearaways? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What a game. I mean, it was ugly for a while. So the fourth quarter. Yeah. Really. But what a win. The Titans win in Indy comeback victory. They were down 17 to 7 with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. And they won the game 31-17. Honestly, haven't seen a game like that from the Titans. I mean, the Chiefs game, I guess, was kind of like that, but they had to fight really hard to win this game. They had two early turnovers, two fumbles in the first quarter on one play drives, one play fumble, horrible. But overcoming those mistakes, sticking with the game plan, and what a game. I mean, I just, this is what we were asking for. This is the uh, the game, the litmus test game we said. We're buying back in, at least I said. I'm buying back in. If they beat the Colts, here we are. I'm bought back in. Can you believe it? Yeah, like, like I don't know. Like, those first couple quarters felt like we were playing with our hand, like one hand tied behind our back, and then kind of everything just started clicking, and boom, we were right in it. There's a lot of sky is falling panic going on on Twitter during that first quarter, which, I mean, it's understandable. We're very reactionary as a, as a fan base. I mean, as sports fans in general, we're going to be very reactionary. But I was actually encouraged, and I even tweeted out at halftime, we were kind of talking about it, was like, we're losing the turnover battle 0-2, to two, 
and we're only losing the game 10 to 7. That is a pretty good place to be, all things considered. I mean, granted, the Colts gifted us a few big plays with Adam Vinatieri being 46 years old. I mean, if Adam Vinatieri is a young, good kicker in the league, like he was in his prime, the Titans probably wouldn't have been able to overcome the deficit and win that game. But Austin Johnson blocked a field goal after Ryan Tannehill's fumble, and the other missed field goal was big to keep the game tight. That's what you need to see. The offense made big plays when they needed to. The two most important drives of the game were the two long touchdown drives. One of them was 11 plays for 75 yards. The other one was an eight-play, 75-yard drive. And those two drives both immediately followed the Colts' only two touchdown drives. I'm talking about the Adam Humphreys touchdown and then the Derrick Henry run on fourth down. Those two drives were so crucial, A, for my own sanity as a fan. I I mean... If we come, if the Titans come out down 17 to seven in the third quarter and don't score on that next drive, things are going to be looking bleak, right? But both times they needed an answer, they answered that first drive. Corey Davis had a really nice catch, a violent catch over the middle, go, bouncing off contact and running through. Tannehill hit AJ Brown on the very next play, and then Adam Humphreys on third and eight. What a diving effort to get in the end zone, Humphreys. I mean, he didn't have a great impact on the game, but that play. That's what you bring him here to do. Way to fight and get in the end zone. Really, really impressive. Uh, I kind of want to give it to Tannehill, like um, <clears throat> how he constructed that drive because what was it? That the, the drive before, was it the Henry fumble or was it his fumble? And then no, the drive came... before was the first drive of the game, one play Henry fumble. And then yeah. this yeah, drive was the second right drive, the so yeah. that was huge. Took us right down the field and scored. And, I thought and that answered the big. Colts score after the Colts drove right down the field uh, pretty much with no resistance. Short field. But yeah, uh, for sure. And the next drive that was that I'm talking about, the most important, 75-yard drive again, eight plays, 60 of those were Derrick Henry runs, Derrick Henry rushing yards. And uh, we'll talk more about Henry when we get to our awards later. But mm-hmm. on that drive, two really impressive things happened. Number one, Ben Jones got called for a hold, which set the Titans back at first and 20, which if you watch the Titans at all this season, typically means it's time to punt. But they called a tunnel screen to A.J. Brown. Really nice play call by Art Smith. Get the ball in the hands of one of your best playmakers. A.J. Brown got upfield, made it a second and short, and uh, Henry got the uh, got the first down in the next play. And then a few plays later, Tannehill takes a sack. It's second and 12. That set up a third and 10 after the sack on first down. Deion Lewis screen on that third and 10. Great play call. Watching that play live, I was like, oh my God, here comes another sack. But that was the setup. It was well blocked downfield, saffold getting downfield, and Lewis almost picks up the first down. And then the confidence in the offense, in the running game, who'd been bullying Indy all game, to come out and run the ball on that fourth and one and go for it. Taylor Lewan, if you watch that play, is like blocking two guys at the same time on the end to give Henry space to get around the corner. And Henry does the rest. Really, really impressive offensive drives, those two. And I think those were the the most crucial things that this offense was able to do in this whole game. Man, it's just so crazy to when we need it we seem to get it and it's so refreshing to see i can't tell you how many times where it just like seven points seems like insurmountable but now it just seems so possible with where everything's rolling right i feel like a while ago it felt like if we were down seven i had this confident this like fan confidence that like oh whatever we'll always score on the next possession and then the beginning of this season sapped that out of me to the point where it was like we're losing we lost and now with Tannehill back, I feel like 
it's it's back to feeling like we're going to score whenever we get the ball. You know, the Titans are leading the league in points per game. Second, sorry. Titans are second in the league behind Baltimore in points per game since Ryan Tannehill took, since week seven, since Ryan Tannehill started yeah. starting. And I think the past three games, Ryan Tannehill for just this month has, uh, I think I heard PK say it, like 10 yards per attempt. And I think... Over the, 10, yeah. Yeah, over 10. And then the next one is... Lamar Jackson with eight to give you any idea on how well he's playing right now. It's crazy. And um, we'll talk a lot more about Ryan Tannehill in a bit, but I want to move on to the defense because I thought the defense was actually good. I mean, they were hard to watch at times for sure, but ultimately they only allowed 17 points. They forced three turnovers. They had big plays and big moments. I mean, you got to hand it to the defense. The overall performance speaks for itself. Yeah, um, it, it just felt like it, some, everybody was open at one point. We would have them in a third down situation, and the 15 yards here, 8 yards here. It just seems like somebody was just either playing off the man or they were just playing in zones. And I, I always think Brissett's always played well against zone. I always think he always seems to find the gap. It's when it becomes man-to-man and you force him to start looking into his reads, and then if you have pressure on him, he's going to make mistakes, which I think on some of those blitzes that we actually either force him to miss a throw um, or straight up throw an interception. Yeah, that's true. It felt like whenever the Titans were able to get pressure on him, they were able to make something happen for the defense. But whenever he had time to throw, he found somebody not just open, but wide open downfield. And I do think Ty Smith got picked on a little bit again, working against Zach Pascal, Pascal, which is like not someone that you should get picked on by. But ultimately, Ty Smith also punched out a fumble that the Titans recovered at the end of the game, and he returned the block kick for a touchdown. So can you say Ty Smith had a bad game? I mean, he was inconsistent, and that's why Tremaine Brock has been claimed off waivers and brought in to com- provide depth and compete for the third cornerback spot or second cornerback spot depending on the health of Adoree Jackson and LaShawn Sims, who we don't really have any updates yet as of Thursday. So, uh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, if we sit Adoree this game, which I don't know if we do or not, but I wouldn't be too mad about it. I think we need him healthy for the Texan games, and if we are going to sit him at this point, I think this is the game to do it, uh, especially considering the murderer's row we're going to have in the next three games after the Raiders. Yeah, you're saying like we there's no need to push it if he's close if he's close to not being good. Being ready. Exactly. Because what he goes in against the Raiders, uh has a bad game and on top of that gets re injured and then we definitely don't have him for the next three games. Uh whereas we could have sat him. You know, I think Ty Smith, uh Tremaine Brock and Logan Ryan will do fine against the Raiders wide receiver core. Very similar to the Colts. Um but once you get into the DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas wide receivers, we're going to need all the help we can get. That's a very good point. Yeah. What do you think of this bend, don't break style the defense is, has been utilizing? It's, I mean, it's working. So, I mean, I can't really complain about it. But at the same time, it's the law of averages. Uh, right. At some point, it's going to start turning around and people are going to start scoring and it's just going to be a bend and break defense. But right. If we look they at the Texans, really well. yeah, they have. But if we look at the Texans, for example, they're sixth in red zone offense. So the Titans did a great job getting red zone stops in the last game. They did allow one touchdown, but they 
got a stop off of a off of the Ryan Tannehill fumble right away. They blocked a field goal. They did a good job holding up the Colts, you know, bending and not breaking. Houston's a different team. That sixth ranked red zone offense is going to be harder to stop. But you got to give it to them. I, I think the defensive line, every member of the defensive line made a play at some point in this game, whether it was Harold Landry pressuring Brissett into the Logan Ryan interception, or if it was um, Isaiah Mack, of all people, forcing Quentin Nelson to to hold and getting a 10-yard penalty, or Daquan Jones had a, had a big tackle in the backfield. Austin Johnson probably played his best game as a Tennessee Titan. I already mentioned the blocked field goal. He also had some big, he had a big tackle in the backfield on uh, to force a two yard loss, I think. And then um, can't talk about enough about Jeffrey Simmons and what he did to Quentin Nelson on that one play. Oh, for sure. He made him face his um, ceiling of Lucas oil stadium, but I heard Greg Cassell talking about it today on the midday 180, um, saying that, you know, he didn't show up really in the stat sheet when it comes to sacks. But a lot of what Quentin Nelson does is getting on the second level um, with as athletic as he is and getting blocks for his running back, and that's why their running backs are so successful. But because of Jeffrey Simmons, you know, either forcing him back or keeping him at the line, uh, that really helped uh, stifle their run game as far as the Colts are concerned. That's interesting. Those are the things you don't see on the stat sheet. Logan Ryan played an excellent game. He um, he helped Harold Landry get a sack by jumping a, a screen early in the game, and then that was from he was blitzing as the nickel corner, and he got a sack. And as a cover two safety in a Tampa two look that the Titans ran, he got an interception. So it's crazy to see his versatility. I think he's honestly we mentioned it a few weeks back should be in the conversation for defensive player of the year. If the Titans go on a run here and the defense plays really well, and they actually get this national attention that that a little bit that they got a little taste of after this win over the Colts. They keep the train rolling against Oakland this week. They're going to really start getting talked about in the media. And that could really play up Logan Ryan's chances for national player of the for defensive player of the year. But we have to do our part. I'm not talking about you and me, James. I'm talking about Titans fans. The more we talk about it, put it on Twitter, put it on social media, talk about it with on message boards and stuff with other NFL fans. We got to start planning the idea of Logan Ryan as defensive player of the year in people's heads. And I've seen it. I've seen some of it, but we got to pick that up, guys. Yeah, I mean, that's a challenge to everyone. I saw a side by side comparison with him and Stefan Gilmore. Um, the only thing Stefan Gilmore had on him was passer rating, which I mean, Logan which is Ryan. a big thing for a corner. Right. Uh, Logan Ryan's <laughs> passer rating. Uh, when thrown to was 77, whereas uh, Stefan Gilmore was 39. But uh, Logan Ryan had him in forced fumbles, sacks, passes defended, tackles, interceptions. And, interceptions. and think about this when looking at the passer rating stat and the tackle stat. Logan Ryan plays nickel. Stefan Gilmore mostly plays outside. And um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Patriots play mostly man defense. The Titans vary things up quite a bit. Um, so Logan Ryan's going to have more targets against him that are short completions as a slot corner where he makes the tackle right away. So you see a higher passer rating allowed, but more tackles. That's a positional thing. It's hard to quantify that on a stat sheet. I didn't think about it that way. Right, right. right. Um, side note, I'd really see more of a money hooker, but that's for another conversation. Well, let's talk about Imani Hooker because he was playing in a versatile role too. He had 
early in the game, he broke up a pass intended for Jack Doyle. It was a really nice play, a uh, really nice defense. I think it was on third down, but I'm not 100%. Later in the game, though, he allowed Doyle a completion in man coverage on him. And so he's, a, he's also a guy that's he's a rookie. He's inconsistent. But yeah, he was making good plays too. So sure, keep him out there. They're using him a lot in the, I mean, a, not a lot, but relatively a lot in those three for a backup in those three safety looks. So yeah, he's getting playing time. Should we move on to our podcast awards? We should. But before we do these, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So we have three different awards, very important awards that are very prestigious. We send these players little trophies uh, so that they can put on their mantles. Metaphorical trophies. No, real trophies. We send them real trophies. Anyway, (laughs) um, so we have three different awards. We have the Zeus Award. Um, Zeus in this context is actually a bad guy because he was the one that locked away the Titans to Tartarus in Greek mythology. Zeus was known for having sex with a lot of things and effing things up. And for that reason, I named it the Zeus Award for either a player, team, coach, um, for effing something up during the game. Uh, after that, we had the Atlas Award. Atlas was known for carrying the world upon his shoulders, and in this context, we are using it to carry the team on their shoulders. And finally, we have Play the Game, which is self-explanatory. Thank you, James. So what you're saying is the Zeus Award is bad. You don't want that one. No, don't want that one. But, you, but the Atlas Award is, like, amazing. Yes, because you're putting the team on your shoulders. All right, let's start with the Zeus Award. Play fake. Tannehill under pressure. Hit, lost the ball. Okariki knocked it loose, and the Colts have gotten on the football with Houston at the 32. And so the Titans' Tannehill loses his third fumble of the year. The Titans lose their second fumble of the game, and again, the Colts get the ball back on the first play of a Titans' possession. But ball security, ball security, Mike. We've already seen it. Uh, I'm giving it to fumbles and ball security because Brad Tannehill has fumbled every game he's played. And Derrick Henry has fumbled, what, the past two or three games? Past two games, he has five fumbles on the season, which is a little too many. Yeah. Um, And I've always recalled him having really good ball security. Now, if we're going to have fumbles, I'd rather have them now when they really haven't affected our win-loss ratio, but when you get to start playing the Texans, the Saints, and if we actually do make it to the playoffs, we're going to be facing teams that are going to be able to capitalize off these fumbles. So um, as, as long as we have a lot of uh, learning experiences without actually harming the team, I think that's going to be very important going forward. That's true. That's a good point. So, yeah, these two guys are both playing like studs, but if I had one complaint, it's ball security. Just a little ball security complaint. Please fix that, and we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Protect your ball. Let's move on to the. Let's move on to the Atlas Award. Definition: Put the team on my back. One's will to carry the team, and not let any obstacle come in between. A desire that you must achieve. Henry threw it the lead. Nice block on that corner by Cutler, and there he goes. He can run with the best of them, galloping his way downfield. Takes it near the 30-yard line. Derrick Henry, a 34-yard run, and a first down for the Titans. 123 on the ground. Where would they be without Derrick Henry? 
I mean, was there ever any question on who was going to get this? Henry, Henry, Henry. Yep. That man has, in what, the past two, three Decembers, uh, D. Henber has carried us. Credit to F-Words for that. This is his month. Yep. That's what he does. So, I mean, he's year to year, he's consistent. So, we've got to give it to him. He's putting the team on his shoulders this month, and he's gonna, we're going to ride him right into the playoffs, which if you haven't read the article on Bleacher Report about Derrick Henry making the Titans a threat, uh, potentially going into the postseason, you really need to read that. Check it out on James's Twitter, at South Texas Titan. He retweeted the article. Let's talk about Derrick Henry's game, because Derrick Henry, 26 carries, 149 yards, 111 of which came after contact, according to John Glennon. The Colts had not allowed a running back to top 100 yards in their last 29 games. Derrick Henry obviously breaking that streak. He's now third in the NFL in rushing yards, with a chance to take the lead over the next four games. He is 35 yards behind Nick Chubb, and 20 yards behind Christian McCaffrey with 1,140 yards. Of those yards, 953 have come after contact. He leads the league in that stat, and he also leads the league in yards after contact per carry. And here's a, an interesting little stat. According to the broadcast from the game, Henry is averaging 3.2 yards per carry running inside, but running outside, he's at 6.2 yards per carry, and that number is third in the NFL. So... Derrick Henry is really um, an effective running back, and I don't usually favor the idea of paying running backs because I feel running backs are typically uh, have a replaceable skill set, more or less. But I really think that Derrick Henry is the engine of the Titans' offense, as well as Ryan Tannehill has played. Derrick Henry has played as well um, in compare, like relative to his position. And I just think that he deserves to go to the Pro Bowl, which is crazy. He's not in the top two running backs in Pro Bowl voting right now, so you guys need to get out there and vote, or you can just retweet my tweet about it. That's a vote. That counts as a vote. Hashtag Pro Bowl vote at KingHenry2. That's a tweet. That's a vote for Derrick Henry. So he's a boss. What more can you say? Uh, his size, speed. I remember when he came into the league, people were comparing him to Brandon Jacobs, and that did not excite me at all. But he's just a different kind of monster. Um that 30-yard run he had against the Colts, he hit 20 miles an hour. He's 250 pounds, six foot three, and he runs 20 miles an hour. Now I don't know how many. Uh, what is it? Physics? You know, um, what is it? Mass times speed or mass times acceleration equals force or something like that. That is, yeah, like, sure. <laughs> the amount of power that he can probably put into a truck on someone would just be absolutely insane. Uh, have you seen the sports science on on Henry from when he was coming in the draft? I have not, but I really want to because I love sports. You science. should check that out because they actually calculate that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, he's just a physical freak. I mean, twenty miles an hour, like he's running just as fast as Tyreek Hill in some run. As you put it on Twitter, he's speeding in a school zone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, we can't let him walk. We have to. I I don't care. If, I'd rather franchise him than Brian Tannehill. I don't think we're going to be in any cap problem, so I think there's definitely enough money to pay Henry and Tannehill, yep. and you sh they should at this point. And with that, we will move on to our play of the game. Play of the game. This for the lead, 46 yarder. It's blocked! It's blocked, and it's picked up on the play by Ty Smith, and that is a score! That is amazing! The block by Crookshank! Ty Smith returns it, and the tie! 
stunned the crowd here in Indianapolis. Yep. 17-17, fourth quarter. They are about to score. And oof, it was a rough game to begin with. And this just opened up the floodgates. Completely swung it in our favor. And then Ryan Tannehill makes that 40-yard bomb what, the next series and completely puts it out of reach. Right. So th- this is our play of the game just for everything that it did. And we finally beat the Colts. I mean, yeah, they didn't have Andrew Luck, but <laughs> we beat the Colts. This is the first time in Colts franchise history that they have ever allowed a blocked field goal to be returned for a touchdown. In franchise history. I love that we got to be the team to do it because oh. they usually do stuff to us. And I just, meh. So. A blocked field goal seems so fluky sometimes, but we've had five in the past three games. Isn't or four four on the season. The Titans have four four blocked field goals, which is tied for the NFL lead. Something crazy about this field goal, if you rewatch it, you'll notice that the the Colts special teams offensive line is trying to block Joshua Kalu, at least on the edge. They're paying special attention to Joshua Kalu out on the edge. I wonder if that has anything to do with the last week when he or with the sorry, not last week, but the Chiefs game when he blocked Chiefs. The game winning when he blocked the potential game winning field game tying field goal. I don't I mean, know. It makes sense because he's, I don't know if they're changing the cadence at all, but I mean, that right tackle completely overcompensated, and that's what busted Dane Crookshank free, who just had the inside track to block the kick, and then Ty Smith scooped it up and took off. And while we're talking about special teams, let's give a shout out to Brett Kern. Brett Kern is amazing. Do you want to hear some stats? Some Brett Kern is amazing stats? Let's go. He's tied for the NFL lead in punts pinned inside the 20 with 30 of those. He has the solo NFL lead for punts inside the 10, and he's tied for the NFL lead for punts inside the 5. So he's number one, number one, number one in the three most important punting categories. Now, part of that has to do with the Titans offense earlier in the year stalling out a lot in punting, but it's also because Brett Kern's really good. He doesn't punt it through the end zone. He pins teams deep. He is a weapon. He's the kind of weapon that's important in playoff time. Is Brett Kern the best Titans free agent? I think we got him off waivers. Is he the best waiver claim we've ever gotten? Potentially. Depends on how good Tremaine Brock is. (laughs) True, but I think it's very unfair to put him to Brett Kern expectations. No. Oh, it's unfair to Brock for sure. Um, Brett Kern's also not leading his position in Pro Bowl voting, so let's go vote Brett, Brett Kern to the Pro Bowl, people. Thank you very much. All right, that'll do it for part one. So if you stay tuned for part two, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk AFC South playoff picture scenarios, and we'll discuss Ryan Tannehill or Derrick Henry. Who is more responsible for the offense's recent success? And then a discussion about Ryan Tannehill's contract incentives. Which ones has he hit? Which ones do we think he might hit? And how much is it going to cost the Titans if he does? All that on part two of this double episode.